Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia, I'm here with Ben, and we're sitting across another Ben, uh, Ben Popchi. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So good to have you in. Um, you're here today to talk about your new book, um, an awesome Aussie history book called Mad Dogs and Thunderbolts, the colourful and captivating histories of Australia's other bushrangers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, it's, it's basically uh, me telling the stories of Australian bushrangers in uh, what I what I hope is my own inimitable style, which I hope is, you know, amusing and, and, and fun to read, uh, especially because these are stories I, I really love. Uh, as the subtitle of the book says, it's the other bushrangers, because we all know okay. there is one particular bushranger who has drawn most of the focus in Australian culture. Uh, and so I just wanted to tell the stories of all the non-Kelly Bushrangers, which are, as stories go, just as interesting and just as cool and just as unlikely in many cases as Ned Kelly's. But don't get the publicity, because Ned Kelly was a, a branding genius, yeah, basically. Yeah, he had the brand. I was going to say, was there, was there a marketing ploy going on? He did. Uh, I mean, the funny thing is, Ned, Ned Kelly's... I genuinely don't think Ned Kelly would be as big a deal, you know, over a hundred years after he died, were it not for his headwear. Uh, but he only he only really wore that once. Really? When in his last battle, and you know when he was when he was captured, um, and so it took him a while to figure it out. And yet that I think the fact of that image. Uh, particularly because it made him a lot easier to paint for Sidney Nolan. Yeah. Uh, because it's a lot easier to paint a tin can than a human face. And so, obviously, if you decide I'm going to paint a series of iconic pictures of bushrangers, you go for the one who you can paint just as a black square with a slit in it rather than having to muck around with, you know, noses and things. Um, so here we are, and this is this is what happens to talk about Bush Rangers. You end up talking about Ned Kelly. Um, <laughs> that's the whole problem. Sorry. So yeah, well let's let's uh, and even I do it, and that's what the, the the book is: cool stories about incredible people who you, you may or may not have heard of, and if you have heard of them, you probably haven't heard much about them because the the legend of Australian Bush Ranging is so centred on one guy. These are the other guys. Well, let's start the education now. We've got, um, from the cover, we know we've got Mad Dog Morgan. Who, Mad Dog Morgan. Oh, I understand, was literally terrifying. He was. Um, he was He was a bad dude. And as his nickname suggests, the scary thing about him was his unpredictability. He was not a rational man in any way. So if it was Gotham City, he would be the Joker. Yeah, he probably would be. Yeah. I mean, he could be any, I mean, all, everyone in Gotham City is he's mad, pretty obviously. Irrational. Yeah, actually, but yeah, he is, he, he is Joker-esque. Or like, uh, you know, uh, do you know Blue Velvet? Frank Booth, Dennis Hopper's character in Blue Velvet. Right. Dennis Hopper played Mad Dog Morgan what? in oh. the movie yes. about Mad Dog Morgan. And that is apt. He was very much a Dennis. It was not a successful movie, but he is, he was very much a guy who should be played by Dennis Hopper because he had that wild eyed, twitchy one minute he seems nice and the other minute he decides to, you know, shoot you in the leg for fun kind of thing about him. 
Right. And um, Captain Thunderbolt. Now, I've got a vague notion of the name Captain Thunderbolt, but mm. when I try and put it to a bush ranger, I'm just thinking of a James Bond film called Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, Captain Cap- Thunderbolt. Captain Thunderbolt was the most prominent of the the Captain Invasion. There were a whole bunch, of, a whole bunch of captains. There was okay. all the you were calling yourself Captain something. So there was okay. Captain Thunderbolt. There was Captain Moonlight. Uh, there were a there were a bunch of guys who claimed to. There's a fictional bush ranger in the novel uh, Robbery Under Arms called Captain Starlight. Yes. And there's a bunch of bush rangers who rec- who who lay claim to being the inspiration for that. And then there's the actual Captain Starlight who was not very interesting at all. Um, but Captain Thunderbolt was the most. You could call him the most successful bushranger. He had the longest career of any bushranger, as mm. in generally a bushranger's career lasted a couple of years. High turnover. Uh, either you go to jail, <laughs> you give up bushranging, or you die. Mostly you die. Mm. Uh, Captain Thunderbolt did die, but he managed to keep going for about seven or eight years, which is very long for a bushranger. And part of the reason he lasted that long and part of the reason his story is so fascinating is because he was in partnership with his uh, girlfriend, wife, partner. De facto bushranger. <laughs> de facto spouse. bushranger spouse. Uh, Marianne Bug, who was an Indigenous woman who did a lot to keep Thunderbolt and his gang safe. She was, she was like their, uh, their reconnaissance expert. For a start, she scouted out the land. She alerted them to dangers. She rode by his side all the time. And she is an unsung hero in bushranging because Captain Thunderbolt is a, is a more prominent name than Marianne Bug, obviously. Uh, but she was, you know, she was a huge part of his career. And, uh, it was only after they went their separate ways that he ended up getting himself killed. Mm. So I think you can say that, um, behind every great man, there is a great woman. Uh, but she wasn't behind him. She was next to him helping right. him out. So <laughs> I think, I think, you know, that, that story is a really fascinating one. And it is, I think it is interest. It is, it is interesting. First of all, the fact that there were, was a woman, there were women involved in bushranging. Um, and in this case, one of the most famous, one of the most famous non-Kelly bushrangers owed a lot of his success to the woman he was riding around with. Mm. Um, I don't think there's been a movie made about Captain Thunderbolt and Mary Ann, but I think that there's definitely one in it. And um, I think yeah. shed some light here. The bushranging um, legend mm. is always about um, the larrikin white male Australian mm-hmm. character, but there were um, queer bushrangers, there were uh, bushrangers uh, of colour, there were bushrangers who were women, or women sure. certainly working alongside the men bushranging. The first bushranger was an African convict called John Caesar, who escaped, who came over, um, you know, with the very first lot of convicts. In the 1700s, oh, who escaped? Early. Who escaped multiple times from uh, the the colony at Sydney, and he basically invented bush ranging. The whole idea of taking to the bush and sort of living by picking off whoever you could. Saw a gap in the market, and he took. He it. saw a gap in the market, and he took it. Uh, there were numerous uh, Aboriginal bush rangers throughout time, and and 
which makes sense. The particularly early on when before the gold rush, when most bush rangers were escaped convicts, uh, obviously the the bush rangers and the indigenous population kind of had common cause. Mm-hmm. They were both uh, fighting against the the settlers, the colonial powers, and so uh, there were a lot of Aboriginal bushrangers and there were a lot of white bushrangers who were assisted by um, the local uh, Aboriginal people. Uh, so that played a big part. And you mentioned queer bushrangers, of course, the, ma- the most famous one being another captain, Captain Moonlight, who was, again, a very cinematic character and a very eccentric character who was many things besides being a bushranger. He was a, he was a lay preacher who decided suddenly to become an armed robber and then a fraudster, and uh, he was arrested in Sydney after uh, attempting to uh, illegally gain possession of a boat and sail to Fiji. Um, but he, yeah, he had some very poetic and beautiful sentiments about his uh, one of his gang members, a young man who... Yeah, uh, to all appearances, appears to have also been his lover, mm. which was something a little unusual. Not exactly in the stereotypical mould <laughs> that yeah. we think of as a Yeah, a absolutely not. So what, what, what um, unites the, this very sporadic population of characters? I think... Other what, than, you know... Guns and horses and capes. <laughs> well, there's, I think what unites them is, as I said, bushranging was a career with a very short lifespan. Yes. <laughs> and a very, and not really a fun one while it lasted. One of the, one bushranger, Matthew Brady, uh, Tasmanian, um, bushranger wrote about how awful the bushranger life was. Basically mm. sleeping out in the open, horribly uncomfortable and, Constantly, every second of your life, wondering if you're about to get shot. Basically, you're living in fear all the time. What unites all these bushrangers is whether they were escaped convicts or they were uh, Indigenous Australians or whether they were uh, men from the gold fields who decided to chuck in gold digging and turn to crime. They were all people who decided that this hard life, usually short life, constantly wondering whether you are about to be shot through the head, is is preferable to living under the yoke of someone else. Mm. You know, um, it, it says something for how awful convict life was that so many convicts would rather have taken their chances in the bush because their chances were not good. Yes, uh, they but they would rather they would rather have six months of living free in the bush before they got killed than you know live out another the, the next thirty years of their life as a convict, and that was the way I think all bush rangers saw their life in general. They were lower class people. They were not people who, in respectable society, had many prospects, and they were people generally living under the thumb of someone, whether it was the government or the police, whether they were literally convicts or whether they were just, you know, 
working class people who were being treated like criminals. Yeah. Ben Hall, who is my personal favourite bushranger, basically became a bushranger because he said that he was the the police were harassing him. They were treating him like a criminal anyway, so he might as well be one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a freedom to being a bushranger above all yeah. else. It was not comfortable. It was not pleasant. It was incredibly dangerous, but at least again, you were your own boss, and uh, and yet it's that was the so main thing. Glamorized. That was the priority yeah. to them. And yet, it's become so glamorized um, mm. in the way we've sort of told this story. Um, do you think that's maybe been a contributor to Australia being modelled as a more egalitarian society yeah. rather than the English class yeah. system model? Is that these working class and um, indigenous um, people uh, could ride high yeah. and be most famous people well, they, the Yeah, well, they kind of became folk. They became heroes often. I mean, sometimes they were also horribly feared. I mean, Mad that's, Dog that's Morgan Mad wasn't, Dog. Wasn't, a, wasn't a hero to many people because <laughs> no matter who you are, what class you came from, you was if you came across him, you would end, probably end up dead. But... A lot of them did become heroes because they were kind of sticking it to the authorities. And a lot of them survived by getting help from the supposedly law-abiding people who could see something in what they were doing, who could see... You know, Ned Kelly kind of of built himself up, probably, I think it's overstated, his revolutionary urges and how much of a political operative he was. But he was to an extent, and... All of these bushrangers, even if they weren't really thinking of themselves in those terms, were rebelling against the established order, the colonial system. Um, I think there's maybe an idea that bushrangers... It's it's similar to the way I think maybe pirates are seen in the general culture, where it's thought to be the reason you'd become a pirate, bushranger, a highwayman, whatever, is to enrich yourself and pile up masses of treasure. And I don't really think that's true because there wasn't a lot of money in it and you couldn't do that much with the money you got because you had to keep your head down, obviously. I think with all these manifestations of the, you know, the outlaw around the world, what it's about is breaking free completely of society's rules. And if you can make enough to keep yourself alive doing that, then it's worth it. Now, I personally would not pursue... I, I personally am a, a coward <laughs> and I would not pursue a life I would like that. I would rather be under the like, colonial yoke and stay alive for 50 more years. <laughs> but I can see something... I can't see a lot necessarily admirable in murder and armed robbery, but I can see something admirable in someone who says, I'd rather be riding free in the bush for one year mm. than um, mm. in chains or digging in the mud for three decades. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, well said. So you mentioned that your favourite is Ben Hall. Mm. So without, like, we don't want to give the whole book away, no. but can you give us a general gist of why you love him in particular? He is... A, a, the caveat to say is that some of the details of his life are... In dispute, and the story he tells, he told about 
his motivations may have been uh, slightly romanticised. But it is at heart a very romantic, in the narrative sense of romantic, story that is certainly every, every bit as worthy of, you know, making a hundred movies about as Ned Kelly. Uh, he's a guy who... What drew him? It's it's like the um, the opening scene of, of a movie where you know the guy loses his job and his house and his girlfriend, and that's what happened to Ben Hall. <laughs> his wife left him and took their son. Um, he was hanging around with some dodgy types around the town, so the local police were harassing him relentlessly. Uh, they threw him in prison for a charge he strenuously denied, and when he got out of prison through neglect his uh his farm had gone to hell and he lost it Uh, and then the police burnt down his house and he did say well to hell with this i'm gonna be a bushranger and the great thing about him as a bushranger ben hall was he was not fixated on money and he wasn't a violent 